This is our second session on Colossians 2, 1 to 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who've not seen my face. And here comes the purpose for why he wants them to know this struggle. So the purpose flows from the struggle, but it flows from a knowledge of Paul's having the struggle. I want you to know that I have a great struggle for you. Now we're going to talk about why did he say that? What, what's the effect that he hopes to achieve by informing them how great is the struggle? Father, show us, I pray, the purpose and build into us this assurance, this knowledge of the mystery and these riches that are in Christ. Build that into our faith now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here comes the, the purpose. I want you to know how great my struggle is so that their hearts, and the, the they here instead of you is because he just shifted from you to all who have not seen my face. And so this there includes those plus Laodicea and, and Colossae in order that their hearts may be encouraged, hearts made strong, made hopeful, made able to stand against threats of assurance and against the false teachings we're going to look at as we go through this chapter. And he expects that their knowing his struggle will be an encouragement to them. Why is that? How does that work? How does Paul struggling for them encourage them? Before I answer that, draw this in. Being knit together in love. Now that being right there, plural, can refer to all the Colossians or all those folks at Laodicea and elsewhere. And since Paul wants them to know his great struggle for them, it would include Paul as well. In fact, I think that's the logic. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you so that their hearts, your hearts, would be encouraged and knit together with mine and with each other in love. And the reason he wants them to know about this great struggle is because this is a form of love, right? Paul has just said, you remember back in 124, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. These struggles that I have are costly to me. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Paul is supplying what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And we argued that what's lacking is not any worth or merit in his atonement. That's not lacking. That's perfect. What's lacking is a physical presentation, an actual manifestation 
for others of what Christ did on the cross for them. And Paul's sufferings, and I would argue this struggle here, is a manifestation of the love of Paul and therefore of Christ. So when he says, I want you to know this so that you'll be encouraged, he means encouraged by my loving you. Would it not encourage you if you got a letter from the foremost apostle in the early church saying, I love you. I'm struggling for you. I pray for you. That's the point. And here he he spells it out in terms of love. Being knit together, you and me knit together, and by implication, you and each other. In fact, he says over in chapter 3, verse 14, above all these put on love which is able to bind everything together in perfect harmony. Love among the Colossians is a great glue for relationships. So Paul is saying, we will be knit together in love, and you will be knit together in love for each other as you are encouraged by my love for you, manifesting my suffering for you and my struggling for you. That's the idea. And, and if we wonder, How does love knit together? All you have to do is go over to the definition of love in 1 Corinthians and you see all kinds of glue, right? Love is patient, that's glue. Love is kind, that's glue. Love doesn't envy or boast, that's glue. Love's not arrogant, it doesn't boast over others. Love does not behave itself unseemly, it doesn't break rules of propriety. It does not seek its own. That's glue. It's not easily irritated. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. Oh my goodness, is there a better glue for relationships in all the world? No, there isn't. That's what love is. So in love, we are knit together. We're bound together. We're bound and glued together, or as it says in 314, love which binds everything together. Now, here's the amazing thing. With that relational dynamic set in place, there is a a goal for it. I want you to be encouraged. I want your and my heart and your your, um, heart with each other to be knit together in love. And A result of that, I think it's fair to say this is unto something, unto all the riches of the, get rid of that, unto all the riches of full assurance of understanding. All the riches. That's really amazing, isn't it? That encouragement and unity in love leads to the riches of the full assurance of understanding, which means there is an intellectual effect of love. If you have a community that is knit together in love, that church is going to have access to depths of understanding leading to depths of assurance called riches, which churches that are biting and devouring each other cannot have. 
because to bite and devour one another instead of being knit together in love is so contrary to Christ that all the wisdom and knowledge that are in Christ are not available. They are shut off from unloving people. So it's amazing here to follow Paul's thought and put encouragement and loving unity before the experience of understanding. So this unto here, I think, is parallel to this unto here. I don't think this unto has the result of this unto. I think they're parallel. Notice. So you've got understanding, and then parallel to that would be unto the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So this understanding here corresponds to knowledge, and he's spelling it out now. What kind of understanding yields this assurance, which are so rich and full? And the answer is the knowledge of God's mystery. And he defines it as Christ. And then he goes further and he says, And in this Christ are hidden, it's like a mystery, only they're being now revealed, hidden for ages, now revealed, which were hidden, all the treasures. Now that word treasures cannot help but remind us of riches. So the riches of subjective assurance are rooted in treasures of objective wisdom and knowledge. And so when we understand God's mystery, which is Christ, it means we're getting insight into God's wisdom, insight into God's knowledge, and the wealth and riches called treasures here of this wisdom and knowledge, which are summed up in Christ, lead to riches of sweet, deep, unshakable assurance, so that when the next verse says, I say this in order that no one delude you with plausible arguments, he means, don't you see that you have everything here? You have a treasury here. You have riches here. You don't need to be led astray. Stay with Christ and stay together. And remember, I love you. I'm struggling for you. That's the feel and the argument of this text as he struggles for the assurance of the Colossians, and I think for ours.